Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Keep It A Buck Podcast, an MMA episode. Um, this is your host, Aries, and I do not have Trident with me this episode. It is just me uh, doing a solo recording. So, every, anyone who is a, a Trident fan on here, just please give me a chance, and uh, hopefully I can do this episode justice. Um, yeah, it's going to be weird, uh, just recording by myself and not having any, uh, back and forth talks or discussions. So yes. So, um, I know this is a little past due. Um, we are going to, I, well, I am going to be recapping UFC 265, uh, Derek Lewis versus Cyril Ghosn and recapping, this past Saturday's uh, card with Jared Cannonier versus uh, Kelvin Gaslam. And I know, I know people are listening right now and saying, didn't Gon and Lewis happen like three and a half weeks ago? I get it, you know, but me and Trent are very, very busy people, you know, and uh, sometimes we just uh, can't make an episode or record, you know, the the night of an event or a big card or the day after or even the Monday after. So, yeah, I mean, just got to deal with it, you know. There's nothing I could do about it, you know, or we can. We just, this podcast is a a hobby of ours. So, this is just secondary to anything we have in our life. So, yeah, I mean, I just thought it's, it's just really important for us or me to record this episode and get my thoughts out about uh, basically the month of August. You know, uh, we've missed a lot of uh, fight news, two great cards, main events, um, an excellent pay-per-view card with uh, Gon and Lewis. So, okay, let's get talking. Let's break down everything. Well, not everything, but you know the the big points and and uh, the cards and especially these main event fights. Um, I think I want to start off with this past weekend with uh, the middleweight main event that happened this past Saturday. Uh, Jared Cannonier, ranked number three in the middleweight division, taking on ranked number nine, I think, and Kevin Gaslam. Um. Good fight. I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't too crazy. I would say. Um, uh, where do I start with this? Um, forty-eight, forty-seven. The scorecards. All three judges giving it to uh, Jared Cannonier. Um, I actually thought it was more of like a. 49ing for uh Cannoneer. That that round one was very, very close. But nonetheless, Cannoneer won clearly in my in my eyes. Um yeah, tough break for Kevin Gaslam again. Um another loss. I think he's like one in six maybe in his last seven fights. Um yeah, just a tough break. But hats off to Kevin Gaslam because He's just that guy in this in this division, step in on short notice, um, 
yeah, he, he replaces fighters a lot, you know, takes these top-notch fights or even to face the higher-ranked guys in the in the division. And, yeah, sometimes that's the, that's the fight game, you know. Step in when you get the chance. Gaslam always does, even if he comes out on the short end of the stick of the, of the fight. But, um, yeah, I'm just impressed with Gaslam. He's just always ready. He, he puts on these great fights. I mean, he's never in a boring fight at all, I don't think. Um, even if he gets finished quickly, um, I just the just the anticipation for the fights that he's in, it's high. I mean, it's great. Gaslam's always a great fighter to fight. He's always bringing his A game to his opponents. So it's crazy. You you never know what you're gonna get from Gaslam. Um, I think he's a tough player or a tough fighter to game plan for. Um, great boxing, great hands. Uh, I think we've seen recently with his win over Ian Heinrich, uh, just the grappling and takedowns, uh, just coming along in a, in a style, which is great. Um, so, yeah, hats off to Gaslam always. I, I think he's just uh, someone who doesn't get enough credit or enough love in the sport for what he does and just the fighter that he is. Um, okay, let's get to the fight now. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not used to talking this much, so I'm like freaking out of breath already, and uh, just need to pace myself. Okay, anyways, um, Gaslam tried to go for try to go the wrestling route. Um, you know, mix up mix up the striking and the takedowns, which is smart. I don't think he was going to be able to really stand for five rounds with Cannoneer and go, you know, strikes hands. Um, so, yeah, um, Gaslam, I think, tried seven takedowns, six or seven takedowns, and wasn't successful in any of those. Um, which, yeah, kind of, it was, it, it, I mean, it's tough, not, you know, not to complete a takedown, but. Um, I think that was really important in that game plan. He just really couldn't finish those takedowns. So, you know, he I think he was just really forced to stand with Cannoneer, which wasn't the the greatest. I don't think route to take. But you know what? What I mean, what can you do in that in that situation? You know. So, uh, yeah, I thought Gaslam looked good. I think he was in the fight for five rounds, um, was holding his own. Yes, he did get rocked once or, yeah, once. But, man, I think Gaslam also has a very underrated chin in the UFC. Um, I feel like when people make lists on Twitter or something or when I read comments for, like, toughest chins, Gaslam's name is not in there. But to be rocked by someone with the power of Jared Cannonier and get back to your feet like that, you know, he, I mean, he, his butt hit the ground and he just shot right back up. But to have that, you know, that mental toughness, I would say, to, 
Even though when you're dazed and the wobbly and you don't know where you are, you still fight through that and you get to your feet, even though you're rocked, even by getting hit by someone with the power of Kenanir, like I said. Um, yeah, it, it's just tough, man. Like, like I said, Gaslam's always going to bring it and he brought it versus Kenanir, but just coming up on the short end of that stick of the, of, of a unanimous unanimous decision uh, loss, but um, let's get to my thoughts on Cannoneer and the fight. Um, I thought he looked great. Um, Cannoneer looked great. He looked patient. Um, looked strong, of course, right? Um, yeah, he was uh, probably the the most patient fighter of the fight. Um, um, I just think Cannoneer did, I, I mean, I, I just think Cannoneer's shots did more damage, you know, they landed differently. Um, those hooks, those hooks, those right hooks, left hooks really did damage on Ke- on Kelvin and just, Kelvin just couldn't get the timing of those. And I think that's what won him the fight. I mean... It, it was a close, I mean, okay, I shouldn't say close because I just said it, Kenanir won clearly, but good fight from both, um, Kelvin thinks he won the fight, uh, I don't know about that, but, you know, um, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, uh, Kenanir's ranking at all, this fight, uh, I mean, the ranking was kind of a big, big split or, or, or big gap, you know, ranked number three and number nine in the, in the division. So the win doesn't really do much for him in the rank standpoint, but I think Kenanier sets himself up really nice for his next fight. Um, there is actually a big middleweight fight happening first card of September, September 4th versus Derek Brunson and uh, Darren Till. And I think I think Cannoneer gets the winner of that of that matchup. Um, Izzy's already matched up with Robert Whitaker end of this year, early next year. So I don't think I don't think Cannoneer is ready for Izzy just yet. And I, I also don't think that Cannoneer should sit and wait for the winner of Izzy and Whitaker. So I think uh, Kenner should fight one more person, and that should be the winner of Till versus Brunson. Um, I was actually going to discuss this in the fight news that we had, but I'm just going to get to it now since we're on the topic of middleweights and, you know, Brunson and Till. But it's crazy to me that Dar- Darren Till gets pushed for these big fights even though he's won one one middle he's won once in his middleweight uh, sh- uh showcase he's he's been in the middleweight for the last four fights maybe only won once versus Calvin uh Gaslam I I think and yes his last fight was against Robert Whitaker looked I mean he it was a it was a, a good showing from Darren versus Whitaker but uh, man they I mean, Dana and the UFC just keep pushing Darren Till for big fights. Potentially, 
him winning sets him up for a title shot or a contender um, spot. So, you know, it just blows my mind that even losing in the middleweight division that Till gets still Till gets the push that he does. So, you know, unfortunately, if Till beats Brunson, I think he should fight Cannoneer. That possibly leads to Cannoneer and Till fighting for that number one spot after the winner of uh, Robert Whitaker and uh, Israel Adesanya. Um, yeah, so that does it for for that fight, the main event this past Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't really watch the fight card. Um, you know, analyzing the the card a few days before the event happened on Saturday, it, it, it was just one of those cards I was like, okay, I don't have to cancel my plans on Saturday to, you know, get to, get to the TV screen on my phone to, you know, to make room for this card, you know? You know, I, I bet people have done that, right? Especially with some of these fight night cards. You know, they're just not uh, something to gravitate towards, you know? So, I don't know if that's just me or not, but... Um, we got Clay Guida in the co-main event, OG. Uh, one, he lost in the split decision, but... Um, I mean, just look, I heard that people were kind of saying it's a robbery or whatever, but let me just tell you guys, Mark Madsen is someone to watch in the lightweight division. Um, I hope, I hope after having this, this spot of the co-main event on this card and getting this win over Guida, um, he kind of gets pushed for a bigger name and I, I kind of want to see him, see what he does in this lightweight division. So yeah, shout out to Mark Madsen on the, on the, on the win. Yeah, looking for looking towards some big things for him. Cuz I think he is undefeated so far in the UFC. Uh let's just make our way down the fight card. Oh, here we go. Besides the the main event, um I also watched the opener for the main card and that was um uh Pantoja versus uh Brandon Royval. Uh, an excellent fight in the flyweight division, especially right now. I think the flyweight division is just on fire. Um, yeah, I think it's very underrated too. The, the flyweight division, exciting fighters, fights to make. It's just in that top ten, I think. So, yeah, I mean, uh, here we go. Uh, Pantoja versus Roy Vall. Man, I I, I feel for Roy Vall. You know. He just seems like he's kind of like Gaslam, you know. He's going to bring the fight. He's going to bring an exciting fight. He's an exciting fighter to watch, but just comes up on the short end of the fights. And, uh, you know, it just it just sucks watching a, a fighter like Brandon Royval just take these losses. And I think it kind of diminishes his name in, in a way. But... I think that it should be building his name up. Um, I think I, I don't know what it is. Maybe he's just missing a little bit of something in his 
his mental aspect or the game planning for the fight, but <clears throat> I just think he's a great fighter. And I think just tweaking the little things, I, I don't know what it is, but tweaking the little things in his, in his fight style or his mental game, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it yet, but fixing those things, I think Brandon Royval is probably one of the best in the, in the flyweight division. If he can just fix those things, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, yeah, tough loss. Uh, he lost on a second round submission. Uh, Brandon Royval did. Uh, Pantocha coming out with the W. A great win for Pantocha as well. Um, so let's just get to this. Um, Brandon Moreno, the the current champion of flyweight. Um, his last loss was to Pantoja back in two twelve. Was to Pantoja back in twenty eighteen, and I think after that loss, that's when Brandon Moreno was cut from the UFC, and then because they were making roster cuts, of the UFC was, and they brought him back, and now we see the Brandon Moreno that we see now today, current champion fought his way through the mud and then you know he's at the top right now but Pantoja versus Moreno is the fight to make right now uh, in that flyweight division um I think uh a champ like Brandon Moreno getting a chance to uh revenge that loss um I think Brandon Moreno is looking untouchable but you never know with someone like a true vet like Pantoja and is very, very scary on the, on the, in the grappling sense of things. I think Brandon Moreno edges out Pantoja. I mean, I think there's a clear gap in the, in the striking department, I think, but you know, even though Moreno held his own versus Figgy, uh, Figueredo in the, in the grappling, um, yeah, Pantoja is the different monster on the, on the ground and, that's probably I probably see some, you know, some uh, some things that Pantoja can capitalize on Moreno is is on the ground, winning in submission again. You know, I I could see that. Um, yeah, but I think people are uh, maybe the UFC is pushing for that trilogy fight with uh, Moreno and and Figueredo. Um, you know, I know Figgy wants that trilogy fight, but I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with that though. I, I just think Moreno did enough in that second fight to put a gap between him and, and him and Figgy, especially in that first fight. I mean, yeah, Figgy did his thing in that first fight. He got the win. Um, but yeah, in that second fight, I just thought. Man, Moreno just created a, a separation with him and Figgy in probably every aspect of the fight game. And yeah, I mean, money does play a big part in this company, so I can I can see a, a trilogy fight happen. I mean, those are two big stars in the flyweight division, so I mean, that can call for money. Uh, Moreno is working his way up to stardom, you know, in the sport. Um, yeah, but I just think, 
I think Figgy should take some time off or more time and just really evaluate evaluate and think what he wants to do. Because that weight cut at flyweight, it's killing his body. Um, I, th- I think it's time to move up in a weight class. And I think that just makes Moreno versus Pantoja too. And that should be the Moreno's next fight. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. So that's all I am going to touch on for this card uh, this past Saturday. So going a week back, UFC was off, no fight card. So we're going to go to UFC 265 that happened on August 7th. And that was Derek Lewis for Cyril Gunn. Um. <clears throat> Do I want to start with the main event or work my way up on the main card? Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm going to start with uh, Song Gedong versus Casey Kenny. Okay, sorry. Again, I'm not used to talking this much and I'm getting dry mouth like crazy. So, excuse me. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Song Yudong versus Casey Kenny opening up the uh, main card for UFC 265. And man, let me just say that these two fighters, for as tough as they are in the bantamweight division at 135, they're not even ranked. And that's the crazy part about this. I mean, they can easily be top 10, top 15 in the bantamweight division. Yes, call me crazy. I think so, but anyways. Okay, I'll say top 15, all right? Okay. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't know Song Yudong was with uh, Team Alpha Male until I saw Uriah Faber in his corner. I, I don't know why I, ha- I haven't noticed Uriah before in uh, Song Yudong's corner before, but, man, that makes a lot of sense because I, I've known – that song has always had power and speed in his hands, but I think that was the first, um, that was the first time I actually seen Song Yudong with a, you know, all around performance and takedown defense, takedowns. You know, he just looked like a step ahead of Casey Kenny. Um, yeah, not really making any errors on his, on his part. And it made it look easy versus a, versus a tough, very, very tough uh, Casey Kenny. And I was expecting a lot out of, out of uh, Casey Kenny after losing to uh, Dominic Cruz. Uh, him coming back for this fight, I expected a lot more. But, you know, like Song Yudong said in his uh, press conference, you know, he just was too quick. And it, and it showed and it looked like it. Um, it kind of it kind of it was weird to see Casey Kenny struggle to find the distance and you know, get anything going, I think. Um, uh, the George, the judges called it a split decision for Song with the win. I, I thought it was unanimous, you know. I think one of those rounds were a little bit close, but I gave all three to Song. I mean, I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. For That's just what I remember, I feel like. So Song Yudong with an impressive... Very impressive uh, win 
Um, should be should I think he sh- he's ready for maybe uh, someone in that top thirteen, top fifteen, um, maybe thirteen to fifteen ranking fighter in that bantamweight division. But yeah, I mean a great win for Song Yadong. Um, yeah, we just keep seeing improvements, and it's great. More power to you, buddy. Next fight on the card. Taking it to the women's strawweight division. We got Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill, too. Um, and it's crazy. I think Tisha Torres won that last fight between them as well. Let me just check. Sorry for the pause, guys. I'm just muting. I'm not going to talk, but I'm just looking at uh, Tisha Torres. If she just won her last... Her last uh, fight with Angela Hill. One second. Oh, we getting there. Hold on. Hold on, buddy. Damn, she fights so damn much. I I gotta scroll down. Uh... Hold up. Okay, I found it. 2015. Okay, Torres won. Uh, I can't believe I did all that for this. Okay. Uh, okay, yeah, Tisha Torres won their first meeting. So, here we meet again at UFC 265, Torres versus Hill. And it showed. I mean, it looked like this was the second fight because Tisha Torres looked prepared for just about anything for Angela Hill had for her. I mean, she looked well prepared to take this fight anywhere, but Tisha Torres just looked faster. She looked just not phased by anything that a beast like Angela Hill had for Tisha Torres. And I was, I was shocked. It's not like you don't see that every fight with Angela Hill and her opponents. I could, um, Hill's always going to be their aggressor and push the pace, but, I don't know. I, I think Tisha kind of did that, you know, pushed the pace and everything, dictating the fight too fast for Angela Hill and well prepared. Um, I think Tisha Torres finds maybe uh, what's Amanda Nunez's wife name, Nina. I, th- I think that should be a good fight for her. I don't know what she's planning on fighting again, but. Um, yeah, I think Tisha should fight Nina Nunez and next. Um, okay, let's move on to the next fight because the next fight was probably the biggest shocker of this whole event. Um, you had Michael Chiesa versus, uh, you had Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque at middle, at welterweight, uh, 170. I picked Kiesa in this fight based off I thought he was the better grappler and his size has just always been a problem for uh, for a lot of fighters at welterweight. And I thought that was going to be the the same song for this um, fight, but Vicente Luque, I mean, Kiesa was winning that fight until they got on the ground. Kiesa almost had Luque in 
like two submissions, but Luke fought his way out. And Kiesa getting off the ground left his neck open for Luke to snatch up for that dar stroke. And that's probably the, one of the biggest downfalls of Kiesa's, uh, f- you know, I shouldn't say fight style, but that's just always been his, his thing. You know, he's a great grappler, but sometimes he leaves himself, makes those little mental mistakes, forgetting things, the smallest mistake, and he gets caught. Um, and that happened in this fight versus uh, Luke, and Luke saw that opening for, you know, leaving his neck out, Kiesa, and Luke snatched up that dark stroke, got the submission win in the first round. I was shocked because, I mean, I know Vicente Luque is not no slouch on the ground, but I think his, you know, he's get, he gets a lot of highlights, you know, for what he does on his feet, um, the knockouts, the the crazy punishment that he can put on fighters with his, with his hands and eventually working his way into a submission, but... Yeah, I think because of that, people sleep on Luque's ground game and his grappling. And, you know, he just he showed that he's got it. You know, he's a great all-around fighter, and I think he's a very, very dangerous opponent for uh, the champ, uh, Kamar Usman. But to, to submit someone like Kiesa is just crazy. It's crazy, and it was crazy to see. And I was shocked. I, I didn't see that fight going like that. Um, of course, I thought if Luque was going to win, he was going to do it with his hands, but possibly working his way into a submission if Kiesa was rocked. That's how I saw it, but, you know, Kiesa made a little the the smallest mistake and uh Luke capitalized um yeah and got a great win over Paria one of the toughest in the uh, welterweight division and someone that no one in that division really wants to fight I mean I feel like everyone kind of avoids uh Kiesa so that speaks volumes to me um I think Luke kind of fought his way and won his way into maybe uh a Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards type name. Um, I really do. I know everyone is – I know Leon and Gilbert are, is calling for Usman and, you know, all that blah, 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 you know. Anyways, you know, you know how that goes. I mean, me and Trent have talked about it. The welterweight fighters at that, that – you know, the fighters always kind of waiting for that next shot and kind of don't want to risk their uh, – their spot in the line for the the bell, but you know you guys all can't just sit and wait for Usman's schedule to clear up, you know. So I think Luke gets Burns or Edwards next, while Usman and Covington fight later this year. So yeah, great things happening in the welterweight division, and I can't wait to see it all unravel and see how it all becomes and. Yeah, we'll see if we have a new champion by the end of the year at welterweight division. Um, moving on to the co-main event of UFC 265, we have the OG, the legend, Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. 
it's crazy to me. Like, I've always been that guy to be like the biggest Aldo hater, but you know, every time I watch him and he wins, he just kind of shuts my ass up and just I don't know. He impresses me, and I'm not gonna be that guy to like just sit there and be like, oh, he's not that good. I mean, yeah, his, his opponent was kind of, eh. but man, I. I feel like Aldo's a lot older than he really is because he's been in the sport for so many, so many years. But Aldo is just proving to everyone that even with the wars that he's been in, you know, the the all the work that his body has been through and the wars and training camps and everything, man, he's just proving that father time is nothing maybe to some to some fighters but for Aldo that is just not the not the problem and it's so impressing like it's it's impressive to see Aldo even moving down a weight a weight class when he was already struggling to make 145 and then he makes his weight and then he makes his way down to 135 and he's looks great. I mean, looks hydrated. He looks healthy. He looks strong. He looks fast. His explosive hands are still there. His kicks. But he just looks so fast. You know, he just looked like five steps ahead of Pedro that night. Um, Pedro looked like he was tr- trying so hard after that first round to find Aldo. You know, with kicks or or punches, setting up punches, setting up takedowns, anything Pedro could do, he he tried it. And Aldo was just focused. He was prepared that night for you know anything that Pedro had for him. Um, yeah, and it's crazy to me that Aldo threw like less than ten kicks, maybe that whole fight. When Aldo, when Jose Aldo was known for his leg kicks, and he beat Pedro off all with his boxing and his hands. Um, man, Aldo was throwing some beautiful body shots that were landing so beautifully. Um, yeah, that might be one of my favorite parts about that fight was Aldo mixing it up, going uh, head to body, you know. It was just, it was great. I mean, Aldo is putting himself up in the top four in the bantamweight division. And, I mean, the way the rankings look right now, let's see. We got the champion Aljo, Aljamain Sterling fighting uh, Peter Jan October 30th. And then we got Number two, uh, T.J. Dillashaw. Number three, Corey Sandhagen. And then number four is Rob Font. And then you got Jose Aldo at number five in that division. Um, so we got Sterling, Yon. And then you got this this four-way tournament right now with Dillashaw, Sandhagen, Font, and Aldo. Kind of separating themselves from the the rest of the pack in that division. Um, I mean, you can play matchmaker however you want. I mean, you can go T 
TJ versus Aldo or TJ TJ Dillashaw versus Rob Font or Sandhagen versus Fawn or Sandhagen versus Aldo. And it's just fire matchups to make at 135 right now. Um, me personally, um, me personally, I would say, um, I would say Jose versus Sandhagen and then Dillashaw versus Font. Yeah, that that'll probably be my favorite matchups to make at Bantamweight. While you've got the the number one contender in that division, uh, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling, let them figure that out. Maybe we get the and new champion or and still, um, you know, Aljo. But yeah, we'll see what happens because this division is always exciting exciting matchups to make so we'll see okay let's move on to this jam-packed just uh heavyweight interim title bout versus Derek Lewis and versus Cyril gone man there's so much to unpack especially with Cyril gone right now um okay let's let's do this i'm gonna start with the walkout because i think the walkout of cyril gone is probably one of the biggest i shouldn't say biggest but one of like the best trolls in recent years of the ufc you know (laughs) and it's crazy me being a rap fan and just knowing the history behind the song that uh cyril gone walked out to and what that song means to, uh, you know, Houston, Texas natives and people from Texas. People know that song. Uh, the song that Cyril Gunn walked out to was still tipping by uh, Mike Jones, uh, not Paul Wall. People need to stop saying Paul Wall. It's uh, Mike Jones. Um, yeah, that song plays, okay? You know, the lights go black, starting the walkouts. That song plays. And the crowd is going crazy. And then they put Cyril Gunn's face on the big on the big screen at the arena. And then just everyone starts booing. <laughs> Complete boos all over the arena. And I just was laughing. I was dying laughing watching that uh, happen. Oh, man. Uh, I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, yeah. Um, to get into the fight itself. Okay, sorry. I had to take a drink. <coughs> okay, one second. <coughs> All right. I'm telling you guys, it's a lot harder than it it, than you think it is to uh, hold down a podcast by yourself and talk for an hour plus. It's, it's difficult, especially for me who doesn't talk that much. Man, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. So my mouth is like getting dry and I need to drink, a, drink something. Okay, back to where we were. Derek Lewis for Cyril gone. 
this fight went exactly how I thought it would. Surreal Gun put on a dominant performance. Um, I knew going in, and I go, I I know this going into a lot of Surreal Gun's fights that whoever he's fighting, it is going to be is going to be a long night for his opponents. Because Surreal Gun is such a difficult puzzle to figure out, and when you're dealing with that type of fighter, and that and is and that magnitude of a fight, and <coughs> excuse me, and it's all on the line, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I just can't imagine what Surreal Gun's opponents are thinking when fighting him, because. His footwork, his his in and outs, you know, entering that danger zone of a heavyweight fighter. Um, yeah, and just his fluid movements overall. I mean, man, it's it's tough, especially for someone with such power. And every fighter at heavyweight has power, right? You know, but. I think some of them can mix up grappling, um, kicks, punches. But someone like Derek Lewis, who really relies on his power and his right hand and, you know, catching his opponents when they come in with his with his powerful right uh, overhand rights, it's tough. And that's like uh, Cyril Gan's dream, I think. Because of a power fighter like Lewis sitting back waiting for them to come, for his opponents to come in so he can throw that, <clears throat> you know, someone like Gone and the footwork like Gone, it's it's going to be tough. And it got to the point in that fight where Derek Lewis was trying to reach and trying so much just to lunge forward, but Gone just wasn't there. His lateral movements, his, again, his footwork, his fluidity, and his movements, he's just hard to catch. And I think Derek Lewis got tired, and he used a lot of energy just trying to chase uh, Cyril Gaon. And I knew that was going to be a, I knew going in that was going to be a difficult task for Derek Lewis to face. Um, I did pick Derek Lewis because I love my underdogs and I always pick the underdog to win. And I just wanted to see Derek Lewis win, especially in his hometown that night. But I knew it was going to be like one punch, hopefully catch Cyril Gaon coming in. That's what I was praying on that whole night, just going for Derek Lewis. But Cyril Gaon is just a new, a new, a new breed in this heavyweight division and is now the heavyweight interim title holder. And he just won his way into um, a fight with the champion, Francis Nganu. Um, before I get to gone, uh, I want to say this is a tough loss for Derek Lewis. Um, so close to, getting another title fight and he takes the loss 
has to probably fight once or twice again to be talked about in the title title defense discussions again. Or contention, I should say. Sorry. And the title contentions again. Probably one or two fights away. But with the with the rankings of the heavyweight division right now, it's it's kind of tricky because you got Gon and Nganu already paired off for next year. And then you got Stipe who wants the trilogy fight with Nganu. But he's not going to get it, of course. And then he accepted a fight with John Jones, but John Jones is playing a power trip and wants more money before he fights again. So he's quote unquote retired from the UFC right now. So you got Stipe and you got Derek Lewis, both coming off losses. I think that's the fight to make for Derek Lewis right now. Um, especially, I think that is a better style matchup for Derek Lewis is someone like Stipe. Um, I think I still, I, I think I'm still going to take Stipe versus Derek Lewis though. Um, uh, I don't know. I think I'll just wait to see who the, who is the underdog for that fight. And I'll just pick the underdog. But anyways, so that's, you got Derek Lewis situation kind of taken care of in my head. Kind of, you know, take Stipe right now. Smart, great matchup, a big name in the division, greatest heavyweight in UFC history. So that can do a lot for you, just winning off Stipe. Okay, to move to Gon, um, you know, you know what his next matchup is already, is versus Francis Ngannou, the scariest man on the planet. And the power, the craziest power, you know, that the heavyweight's ever seen. Yeah, I mean, that's true. He, he, he has scary power, yes. But, I mean, I can't base my prediction off that fight. Off, you know, everything in, in uh, Nagano's past. But I'm going to say going off his last performance with Stipe. And the way he beat Stipe for the belt. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a great fight for sure. It's going to be a, ch- uh, a chess match. Uh, between Gon and Naganu. But again. Naganu's footwork. And his lateral movements. I don't care how powerful you how powerful you are. And how much power you have in those hands. Gon does too. But what sets him apart is his fluidity and his movements. I, I think, and the way he can mix things up, I think it's going to be a little bit overwhelming for Nganu. I'm not going to lie. And I think after rounds one or two, I think Francis is going to try to chase down Gon. And that's where I find a problem is I do not trust in, in Nganu's cardio or his gas tank yet. And I don't think I ever will, you know. I think Gon is just smart. He's just very aware and smart with how he um, carries himself. Even though he's big in stature, he's very smart with his where he 
releasing his power where he's you know I don't know if I'm making sense right now I hope you guys are following me on this but yeah I just I just think that's going to be a, a Nagano's downfall is his cardio in that fight and him trying to fight five rounds for someone like Cyril Gaon uh, Nagano's going to be chasing a lot and if you remember uh, Nagano and Stipe in that second fight I mean Nagano was breathing hard already in that second round you know uh, even though there's a lot of activity in that first in that first round with uh, Nagano and Stipe yeah I mean Nagano was already breathing hard you know and his mouth was wide open he was breathing hard trying to keep up Luckily, he got that finish in that round because I don't know how that fight would go for Nanganu going into the third, fourth, and fifth. But yeah, that is my breakdown for UFC 265 and UFC Fight Night with Ken Neer and Gaslam. Um, I want to see if if I want to just point out some prelims on the UFC 265 card. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I forgot the fight of the night that night was Rafael Vaziv versus Bobby Green. Uh, me being a big fan and discovering uh, Rafael Vaziv in 2020, um, I'm such a big fan of this guy. Uh, undefeated and lightweight uh, and in the UFC. But... Very, very entertaining fight with him and Bobby Green. Um, Them taunting each other, you know, playing great defense with each other. Um, Yeah, just an entertaining fight, but I think we saw the first kind of downside to uh, Fazeev in a fight because we haven't seen one really, but it's his cardio. And I I hope he gets it together. I hope he works on that cardio a little bit more because he's going to need it moving forward, especially in that light, lightweight division. So a uh, great win for Rafael Vaziv versus a, t- a tough Bobby Green. Um, so, yeah, look out for that name and that fighter. He's a very entertaining uh, fighter. And, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out. You won't be disappointed. Uh, shout out to Jessica Penne. Um, she's gone through a lot off outside the octagon. And for her to get that win in the first round versus uh, uh, my girl, Carolina. Uh, man, I just hate seeing Carolina lose. Um, she's a, a sweet person. She has a great personality. She just... Yeah, I mean, she's on a, a losing streak right now, but I'm, I'm happy for Jessica Penne because she's been through a lot as well. And getting that win, she looked great. She got the first round submission win, so I'm happy for her. Hopefully big things for her coming soon uh, and then her, in her next fight. So, yeah, I just wanted to point out some uh, major uh, wins in the prelims of that UFC 265. Um, we do have a fight card coming up Saturday, this Saturday, and what, two, three days? Um, I don't know if I'm going to break that down. You know what, I'm just going to break down the 
main event. In the main event for this Saturday's card, you got the Brazilian OG. You got Edson Barbosa versus uh, Giga Chicates. Now, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, the MMA podcast, you guys know that me and Trident are big on Giga. Um, let's see. He's... Giga is 6-0 in the UFC right now. And... In a tough uh, featherweight division, I mean, Giga is just marching forward. He's at... He's ranked number 10 right now. Edson Barbosa's number 9. And it's going to be an, a crazy fight, and the, you you might see the great the greatest leg kicks in the, in in this fight. I'm just saying, maybe not leg kicks, but kicks in general might be the best. So I hope you guys don't miss it. Um, my my pick for this fight, I think Giko's the under underdog right now, and it's kind of crazy, but I think I'm gonna go Giga for my pick this Saturday. Versus Edson, um, I, I just think Giga is he puts everything he puts everything together better than Edson, and I know it doesn't take Edson a lot to put you away in the octagon. I don't I know Edson is known for his powerful, fast leg kicks, but what's the greatest counter to a leg kick? It's uh overhand right. Or just a straight right. Something with the hands, right? And I think Giga has enough power in those hands to knock out Edson and catch him. If he wants to throw those leg kicks. Um, yeah, I just hope Giga is prepared for those leg kicks. I'm, I'm sure he will be. Since, you know, that's a lot of Edson's game. So... Yeah, exciting fight nonetheless. And also this this uh coming up card on Saturday. This is the you see the uh the finalists for the Ultimate Fighter uh take place and we see the winners of the season of uh Team Ortega versus Team Volkanovski. And I think Volkanovski's uh all of his all the people the final four are all from Team Volkanovski, so yeah, it's been a great season so far, though. I mean, uh, tough making uh, the Ultimate Fighter making its comeback this season. I mean, I was kind of hoping for more drama and more uh, more of a rivalry, you know, rivalry in the coaches, but the fights and the fighters in the season, just excellent. I, I love this season of fights. Um, the bantamweight and the middleweights put it on the season and I'm excited for the uh tough enough or the not tough enough what the hell the uh ultimate fighter finale so that's on the same card this Saturday so don't miss that it's gonna be great exciting fight card this Saturday I'm gonna definitely gonna be tuning in and maybe we will be back next weekend who knows you see we like to take long breaks so (laughs) So sorry, guys. Um, yeah, let's just move into fight news now. Um, and then we'll just close the episode with just the the fight news that we got. Because we have like a month's worth of 
fight news. Yes, it's going to be old stuff. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm just going to give my takes on it. Quick thoughts on like eight points maybe. So here we go. Fight news for this episode. Start off. We got Luke Rockhold making his return. And he's fighting Sean Strickland on, oh, set for UFC 268 on November 6th. <clears throat> um, Man, I, I don't like this fight for Luke at all. I think Luke coming back in this roster of middleweights right now, I think any fight for Luke is, is rough. It's going to be a long night for Luke Rockhold. Um, man. But someone like like Sean Strickland, especially Sean Strickland coming off the win versus Uriah Hall and the just the pure dominance that he put on Uriah Hall. Yeah, I think we saw how, just the, how crazy of a personality that he is in the octagon, Sean Strickland. So... I'm not going to say Strickland is just like a powerful, has powerful hands, kicks, whatever, but he is just game for anything and anywhere this fight goes, and it's going to get violent. And one thing that Luke Rockhold is good at is getting knocked out violently. So, (laughs) okay, sorry if I'm just showing my hate or my dislike for Luke Rockhold right now, but... It's just not good. It's not a good climate, not a good roster of middleweights to come into right now. So, you know, I got Sean Strickland taking that. Okay, next point. Excuse me. Next point on Fight News, we got AJ McKee uh, defeated. Hold on. AJ McKee defeats Patricio Pitbull at Bellator 263. Hold on, guys. God damn. My mouth is drier than the desert. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. AJ McKee defeats Patricio Pitbull at Bellator 263. AJ moves to 18 and 0. And after that, he says he's the best featherweight on the planet. To be honest with you guys, that was my first time seeing AJ fight, so I was entertained. You know, he he is a great style. You know, he has an exciting style. Um, what I love though is his call his callouts. I wouldn't say callouts, but he mentioned them. He he mentioned these fighters and said he would like to fight them one day. Uh, he mentioned Alexander Volkanovski, the current featherweight champion in the UFC. Max Holloway, the greatest featherweight of all time. Don't add me or add me. I don't know. And then you got, uh, he called out Ortega, Brian Ortega. Out of those three, I would love to see, I mean, I'd love to see all those three fight AJ McKee. But if I had to pick one, I would say Max Holloway for sure. Stylistically, it's a great matchup. I love it. Um, yeah, I think AJ McKee is going to be a champion along, for a long time in, the, in Bellator. Um, yeah, congrats to AJ McKee 
on beating a I thought was probably the, the toughest featherweight in in the world. I think was Pitbull, but yeah. Anyways, next headline we got. Uh, now remember, guys, this is from like three weeks ago. Okay, so forgive me, damn it. Uh, Conor McGregor gives fans an update. Uh, he will be ready November or December this year, but most likely will be ready to fight early 2020. No, early 2022. Sorry. Um. Yeah. So I know Connor's calling for that Dustin Poirier again. Uh, what do you call that? A quad trilogy. I don't know. Anyways. Quad quadri. Anyways. Hey, okay. <laughs> I'm here trying to compound words and all that crap. Okay. I do not think that's the great way for Connor to go right now. I think Dustin is just too tough and he will just dismantle this man again. I think the I think if I was Connor and I'm on this two fight losing streak and two really bad losses, I think. Uh, man, I, I'm going to have to say that trilogy fight with Nate Diaz is the right way to go. Diaz is coming off a loss. Um, it's a winnable fight for Connor. And I think that still sells tickets. You know, he still gets the money, still gets the big money. And if that's what Connor's all about, which I know he is because he's very vocal of it. I think going that trilogy fight with Nate Diaz is the smartest thing to do right now. Um, so yeah, Connor hopefully back uh, early next year. So he put out next headline, uh, Dana White hoping. Okay. Since this was tweeted like a few weeks ago, it is official now that UFC 267 will be aired on ABC and it will be for free. And I am so happy because I will take a free pay-per-view any day of the week. Especially we're paying, uh, well, we're paying, what, $73 now for pay-per-views. It's just, especially in a, in a pandemic, you know. So, hey, I'm, I mean, I'm happy for fight nights and I'm grateful for them. But, like... Sometimes the fight night cards are just not great. But this card is stacked from top to bottom right now. And it's probably going to be in Abu Dhabi. We don't know yet on the location. But Dana White, please keep giving us these free pay-per-view cards, please. Thank you so much. Um, Just to go over the fights on that card, um, the main event for UFC 267 is the light heavyweight champion defending his belt versus Glover Teixeira and sorry I should have said his name Jan Blachowicz versus Glover Teixeira co-main event you got uh, Aljamain Sterling versus uh, Peter Jan <clears throat> you got uh, RDA versus Islam Makachev Tybura Volkov Chemaev Jangalang <laughs> uh, and then you got Walt Harris versus uh, Tuivasa and then they're still adding fights to that card, you know, so it's looking exciting. I'm excited. 
you know, I will take a card to that of that magnitude for free. Please. Hell yes. We will take it. Okay, next. Next headline we got Max Holloway is scheduled to fight Yair Rodriguez November 13th headlining a UFC fight night. Me and Trent already said that we love this fight so much for the style stylistically. This fight is great. But I think Max Holloway makes very, very light work of Yair Rodriguez. You want to know why? Because it's Max Damn Holloway. That's why. Anyways, <clears throat> that's my thoughts on that. Um, and then we got a whole bunch of fight fight announcements um, right now. So next one is Holly Holm versus Norma Dumont. Uh, a featherweight, woman's featherweight uh, on October 16th. Uh, Holly Holm is moving up in weight class from 135 to 145. Um, if you guys don't know who Norma Dumont is, she just beat Felicia Spencer and kind of beat her bad. So this should be a good fight at women's featherweight because right now there is no one at featherweight to fight Amanda Nunes. You know, Amanda searching high and low for somebody at 145 and it's very very slim to find someone out here so Amanda just might have to fight the 145 men I mean it's looking like that right <clears throat> anyways um oh an exciting fight at a women's flyweight division we got Jojo Calderwood versus my girl Alexa Grasso on November 20th now again, if you guys have listened have listened to recent or you know episodes of this MMA podcast, you guys just know how big of fans me and Trian are of Alexa Grasso. Um, yeah, Grasso has posted on her Instagram her getting her stripes on her or on her belt, moving up in rankings on her belt for her, her jujitsu. So. I mean, she's already had great hands in boxing, so getting that ground game straight and that flyweight division to get ready to take on the champ. Hopefully, in the future, it's gonna be a it's gonna be great. And this is a big fight for Alexa Grasso, fighting someone in a higher ranking in the women's flyweight division. So that's a great fight on November twentieth. Um, another f- another big fight at men's middleweight. We got Paulo Costa versus Marvin Vittori on October twenty third. Two men that the current champion at middleweight have already beaten and ran through easily. Um, I'm probably gonna go with. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, right now off the top of the head. I'm pretty sure my pick will change. I'll probably go. I'll go Vittori. Why not? Next headline, we got Cody Garbrandt making his debut at flyweight, moving down in weight to take on Kai Carfronts on December 11th. Man, I am so happy about this move down and this weight change and this weight class change for uh, Cody Garbrandt. 
Um, I think he was just getting smoked. That man was getting smoked at 135. And, uh, yeah, his last fight versus Rob Font. You know, Cody just looked. I, I don't know. Okay, yeah, he just got his ass beat versus Rob Font. But I love the him going down in weight. Cody has said that he can make 125 easily. It won't be too big of, of a stress on his body to make that weight. So I'm all for it. I hope that we can get uh, Figueredo versus Garbrandt at flyweight or bantamweight. I don't care. Catch weight. That's the matchup I want to see. But a Moreno, a Brandon Moreno versus Cody Garbrandt possibly at flyweight. Eee. Man, that is a amazing fight. Okay. To close out fight news and the episode, we got probably one of my favorite fights of the year. We got Justin Gaethje taking on Michael Chandler, UFC 268. Uh, November 6th, I believe. Did I say that? Yeah, November 6th. UFC 268, we got Justin Gaethje, the highlight, versus Michael Chandler. <clears throat> Ever since Michael Chandler came into the UFC, I have wanted this fight so bad. And now it's it's here, and we're going to get it this year. And I'm just praying no one pulls out of that fight due to injury or COVID or complications of uh, getting to the state where the fight may happen and you need a vaccine because I've heard that uh, Michael Chandler is not going to get the vaccine. So it might, I don't know if that might uh, create complications of him booking that fight. I think it's booked already, but I hope Dana and the UFC kind of find a way to, I don't know, take it to Florida, take it, take that event to Florida or, or Houston, you know, so we don't have to worry about this bull crap of vaccines and the fighters can fight and we get the full card, you know, so that is our, so that is it for the uh, episode, you know, the solo dolo episode of me, Aries recapping, um, UFC fight night with Cannoneer Gaslam and then UFC 265 and then doing a preview kind of a little bit of a uh, Giga versus Edson happening this weekend. Um, yeah. Okay. Before we, uh, before I close out, I just want to say, I'm just grateful for our, you know, our listeners and the people that support this MMA podcast. Um, I know me and try and take long breaks in between our episodes and uploading episodes, you know, but again, like I said at the beginning, you know, me and Trent are just busy on a, in our in our daily lives, so we don't always get a chance to record when we want to because things come up in our lives. And again, this is, podcast is just a hobby of ours that we attend to when we have free time, and you know, our nights are open to record, and we can we can talk about the sport that we love and we're passionate about. Um. Yeah, thank you guys for just sticking around with us and you know, it's our 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 listens are slowly growing. Our MMA group is slowly growing. Our our our, our listens 
on the podcast for these MMA episodes. So I'm, I'm just grateful that someone or you guys out there are just listening to the MMA episodes and hopefully enjoying it. I, ho- I hope that our content is good enough. You know, I, I'm always down for some feedback. Me and Try and R. So follow our, our Instagram at Keep It A Buck Podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, it's Keep It A Buck MMA. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Like I said, I keep it a buck MMA and on Instagram, keep it a buck podcast. Uh, yeah. Um, man, that's a lot of talking. And for one person that doesn't like to talk that much, that was a lot of talking and I'm going to go drink a whole gallon of water because my mouth is so dry from talking so much. Uh, okay. But thank you guys so much for supporting. Uh, just thank you guys for listening to this episode all by myself. I hope it wasn't that bad, but yes, go follow us on social media. Thank you guys so much. Keep it a buck.